0: Welcome to the Vintage Church podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love and community. For more information, visit vintagechurchnola.com.
1: Here is this week's message. Good morning. My name is Ellie. I'll be reading in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 and 9 through 12. Finally then brothers, we ask and urge you in the name of Lord Jesus as that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. The word of the Lord.
0: Amen. Let's let's open up in prayer. God, we thank you so much for the reading of your word, God. Um, I pray that this morning as we look at your scripture and what it has to say about how we should work, God, that our hearts will be open that we'll be receptive to what you have to say, God. I am thank you so much. I pray that I would decrease, that you were increased. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Uh, my name is Pastor John McCann. If I have not had an opportunity to meet you yet, I'm so excited to be here this morning preaching on a case of the Mondays. So if we're 100% honest, when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to work, it's not always the Mondays that we feel like quitting, Right? It's sometimes for people, it's every day. You know, sometimes we go into work on Tuesday and our coworker is sitting next to us and getting on our nerves. Amen. Can I get an amen? Um, <laughs> sometimes it's on Wednesday where our boss, you know, gets on our nerves, gets under our skin. Maybe sometimes on Thursdays we feel like, man, what am I doing? I'm tired of studying. I'm tired of doing this work. I just want to throw in the towel. Sometimes it's a case of every day. But God has created us, and he's given us this responsibility to work, to work. And in my life, in my, my young life, I'm 28 years old. Um, I say the word young because, of course, everyone knows once you get 30, then you're old, right? Um, <laughs> I'm 28 years old. I got mad at Pastor Matthew. We were the other day. We were talking to someone. They were like, John, how old, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 28. And he told me that I was 29. I'm like, I'm not 29. I have three more weeks at 28. I'm going to milk this in my 20s as long as I can, baby. Um, But in my 28 years of life, I know how hard it can be when it comes to work. I've had a lot of different jobs. And and it's not so much only about working if you have a job. Some of us were called to be stay-at-home parents. Some of us were volunteers. We have all these different responsibilities that we have. But as we think about these things, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes the journey gets hard hard. Sometimes we look around, and we're like, what is really going on? I love the video where they had a guy throwing the paper as he walked away. Sometimes that's what I feel like doing, but not here, not at Vintage, <laughs> at my other jobs. Um, and, um, but anyway, in, in, my, in, my, in my years of life, I've had the opportunity to work so many places. I worked at the movie theaters, started off at AMC theaters. That was awesome. Then I went from there, and I sold the most anointed knives. You might have heard about them, cutlery called Cutco where they take advantage of little kids and make their parents buy their stuff and their parents' friends buy their stuff. I did that. That was awesome. I ran into some problems with that. Um, then, then I sold Kind Candy in the Superdome. I did all these different types of cool jobs. And then one of my coolest jobs was I worked at Morning Call Cafe. Ooh. And that's why I don't like their beignets now. Um, cafe DuMont beignets are the most anointed beignets. Amen. Where are my Cafe Du Monde people at? Hello. I guess most of this is a morning call crowd. All right. Morning call people, where you at? That's overrated. Um, So so I I had all these jobs, and then eventually I graduated, and I was a valet guy, and then I finally got one of the coolest jobs. I got a job at Saks Fifth Avenue. Saks Fifth Avenue. I didn't know they had suits that cost $3,000 until I got there. And I remember I got there, but before we could start the job, before we could start the job, we had to go through something called Orion orientation lasted for a couple weeks and in orientation they said hey when you're when you're out there when you're working you're going to run into these different types of situations maybe they're going to want to pay cash and someone credit you need to know how to work the POS system you need to know how to submit different things you need to know how to communicate with others and they had all these rules and all these different things that was important for them to recognize and realize if they wanted to be effective and efficient at their job and in our text today We're looking at Paul, and he's writing this letter to the church to let them know, hey, as believers, as Christians, there's some things that you need to know. There's some things that's important for you to take and to recognize and to hold near and dear to your heart. If you want to be effective and efficient at working and doing things that I have called you to do. And this morning, we're going to be looking at this because I believe that the Spirit of God and the Word of God wants to speak to both you and I on how we should work so the first thing that we must realize and maybe i don't want to take for granted everybody here is a believer everybody here is a christian but if you're not a christian thank you so much for being here but i believe that the best approach to work is from a christian worldview. and we're going to look at this and if you're here and you're not a believer that's fine we're glad that you're here but i believe with all my heart that when you take a christian perspective and a christian approach to how you should work It changes everything. So we can see the first thing that I want us to to, to focus on, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The big idea from this morning on how we should work is that we should work with hearts to please God. We should work with hearts to please God. Look at verse 1. It says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Just as you are doing that, you do so more and more to please God. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you're going through the different responsibilities that you have, you should have a heart to please God. I remember when I was younger and my dad, he was teaching me how to ride my bike at 417 Bertolino Drive, Kenner, Louisiana. Kenner is God's holy land. Um, That's where I'm from. That's the Holy of Holies. Um, Despite being on the news, we're still the Holy of Holies because I was from there, Um, and I remember my dad trying to teach me how to ride the bike, and I wanted to ride the bike so bad. I wanted to to take the training wheels off. I wanted to ride the bicycle so bad, and I remember, because the reason why I wanted, I just wanted my dad to be happy. I wanted to please my dad. I I didn't want to, I wasn't trying to please him to become his son. I was trying to please him because I already was his son. And as we think about our walks with God, as we think about our approach as it relates to work and whatever responsibilities that we have, we're not trying to please God to earn some type of salvation. We're trying to please God because he's already sent his son to die for you and I, to take on all the sin of the world and to conquer sin, death, and hell so that we can have everlasting life. He's already done that for us. So when we try to please God, it's not like we're trying to earn something. We can't earn salvation. We can't earn good state, But because of his grace and mercy that he's already given us. We should have a heart to please him. I wanted to please my dad. I remember learning how to ride it. And I remember my dad just clapping. He's being so happy. And I I, I want that for me and you. Even as we work, we should have this attitude that, God, I just want to work in a way where you just look down and you smile. But the truth of the matter, as it relates to pleasing God, a lot of people, when they work, they're not thinking about pleasing God. They're thinking about pleasing others. They're thinking about possibly... Pleasing yourself. I don't like the way this is going, so I'm going to handle it this way. I want to get to this position, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care if it's right or wrong. It's about me, me, me. I want to be pleased at my job. But as a believer, we should have this goal and this ambition that we want to live a life and we want to work with a heart that pleases God. God. Because there's a you can please, if, if you please everyone else, but you don't please God, it's pointless. And, and, and if you live a life to where you please God and no one else is pleased, it doesn't matter. It still has purpose. Work in a way that pleases God. And in that we can see that there are a couple different things in this passage that that should include. The first thing it should include, as we want to please God, we should have a proper attitude proper attitude. Let's read verses 9 to 10. It says, Now concerning brotherly love, that you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. So this word love here, we're talking about having a proper attitude. How do we have a proper attitude at our job? How do we have a proper attitude? How should we work with this proper attitude? This word love right here is is, 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 is a translated to like a brotherly or sisterly love. That's the type of love that he's talking about. And it's so funny because he says like, he, he starts off, it's not that we have any need to write you. You ever had somebody that you're like, maybe you're them to a party and you know they like to get a little too tipsy, you know, at the party and it's like you you you're drinking to the party and you're like it's not that I need to tell you to be on good behavior, but just be on good behavior. That's what's going on here. Paul is like it's not that I need to tell you to have brotherly love, but hey, hey, just I want to encourage you to keep doing it, to keep doing it. And, and we see this in and, and the, the church at this time, the brotherly love within this context look like them supporting local churches around them. That's what it looked like. But he's telling them, I want you to have a proper attitude. I want you to be able to keep doing it more and more and more. Our attitude at work, our attitude when things don't go the way we want them to go, our attitude when things go the way we want them to go, we must have a proper attitude. He wants the, the early church to know that they must have a proper attitude, and you and I must have a proper attitude. What's our attitude like at our jobs? What's our attitude like when things don't go the way we want? Can we still keep a proper attitude? Can we still keep a proper attitude? Can we still have a sense of gratitude, even when things aren't going the way we want them to go? I remember after I, I, I left Saxworth Avenue because... It was a hard environment, you know. It's not easy selling $3,000 suits, Um, and then getting $30 out of it. I was like, nope! I gotta go, this isn't fair. Um, So I, I ended up getting a job working for my mom. She owns a hospice here in the city, and I was their marketing director. I was the marketing director and I remember I was so optimistic. I was like, "Man, I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to go to all the hospitals. I'm going to go to all the nursing homes. I'm going to go to all the bingo halls cuz that's their favorite place to hang out. They don't go to the club. They go to the bingo halls. I'm going to go to all the bingo halls. I'm going to go to where all the people are and I'm going to tell them, "When you get ready to die, come to us, baby." That's what I'm going to tell them. So I was excited, and I was going, and I was marketing, and I wanted to get the business going. And I remember after doing several weeks of, of just going out and, 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 and trying to hustle and trying to get more businesses as marketing director, I remember business not getting better, business not increasing. How many of us sometimes we have things that, as it relates to a job where we want things to look a certain way, we want things to work out a certain way, but it doesn't always happen that way. And I remember I had to, I was just, I was kind of down and I was just talking to somebody about it and they were like, John, at least you have a job. You're doing the best that you can. So how about you, how about you change your attitude and have an attitude of gratitude? How about you change your attitude and keep being persistent at what you're doing? Because at the end of the day, all you can do is to do the best you can and everything else is up to God and his sovereignty. So for you and I, it's important for us to realize that we have to have a proper attitude, a proper attitude. What else must we include if we want to have a heart to please God? We can see in verse 11, we must have a proper perspective. What's your perspective when things are going? A proper perspective. Let's read verse 11. It says, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Wow. So, let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on right here. So, a lot of people during this time, they heard that Jesus was coming back. And they said, "Jesus is coming back. I don't need to work anymore." How many people feel like I could do that? Jesus is coming back. I'm quitting. You're going to be living on the street till he comes back. Um, but <laughs> Jesus is coming back. I don't need to work. So all this is going on. This context is going on. People, they're not really sure how to engage with culture. They're not really sure how to engage with their coworkers. And Paul is writing them saying, hey, I have some instructions for you. As a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have some instructions that I want you to take and I want you to live out. And, and he tells them, he starts off saying, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. Can I get an Amen. Yes, people in everybody else's business, but don't know what's going on in their own life. Amen. So we we, we see that he says, aspire another thing. This word aspire, this word aspire is usually used within this context and with this this day of time, is used to aspire to to, to build oneself up, to, to build your own honor. To build your own name. And it's funny that he's using this word aspire because he's not saying aspire. do He's saying aspire to live quietly. Doesn't necessarily mean don't say nothing. It means to have an attitude when you're going to work. Have an attitude that, hey, I'm going to work not to make my name great, not to build my honor. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the Lord and Jesus Christ that I serve. He tells them to aspire, and he says, aspire to mind your own affairs because they were having a lot of problems. People were getting other people's business, and it was making it hard for the witness of the Christian, the witness of the early church. So he says, aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs. And then he says, and to work with your hands. This phrase, to work with your hands, it wasn't necessary. it comes from the Old Testament. The emphasis is not so much on your hands. The emphasis is on the work that we're supposed to be working We're supposed to be working because at the end of the day, as we think about our perspective on different things that's going on, it's important for us to have the right perspective and what he wanted them to know more than anything is to have a perspective as you're going through the different things at your job as you're going through the different problems as your boss is getting on your nerves as your co-workers getting on your nerves as you're trying to get these promotions maybe you're getting demoted maybe you're getting promoted no matter what's going on at your job no matter where you are with your work have things influenced by having a love for your brothers and your sisters in this text, that's what Paul is saying. That's his underlying message and theme to us. No matter how you want to engage, make sure that your decisions are rooted in this love for your brothers and your sisters. Make sure your perspective and how you're looking at things, you're not judging them, but you're loving them because you realize that the same grace that you need is the same grace that they need. You realize that if it wasn't for Jesus that was on your side, you wouldn't be where you are right now. So instead of judging someone else that's not walking around and talking and being like we want them to be, how about we share the love of Jesus Christ with them? How about we forgive them? How about we look past their faults because we serve a God that looks past our faults and still loves us anyway how about we have that type of perspective because whatever perspective you have influences what you see what you perceive influences what you see and what you see influences what you believe and what you believe influences what you do if you perceive something one way then you're going to see it that way and then you're going to believe it and it's going to affect your actions So if we have the wrong perspective, we're going to have the wrong actions as it relates to how we should be engaging with people in the workplace. Perception is powerful. Perception is powerful. How are we perceiving? Are we perceiving things from our vantage points or from God's vantage point? Because when we're looking at things from God's perspective, we have to be able and be willing to submit our plans to his plans. We might have our plan on how we want work to look. We might have our plan on how we want our finances to look. We might have our plan on how we want the coworker to treat us. We might have the plan on how we want the boss to treat us. But at the end of the day, we have to be willing to submit our life and our will to God. Say, God, it's not about me. I don't want this to be about my perspective, but I want everything that I do to be about your perspective. So even if I feel like giving up, give me the spirit to keep on going because it's not about me. It's about you not about you vintage church I'm sorry but this life that we've been given is not our own life this life that we've been given is God's life and it's important for us to have a proper perspective that the world that we live in is not all about making me satisfied it's about pleasing the God in heaven who created the universe who gives us breath in our lungs and without him we wouldn't even be standing here this morning Have the right perspective. It's going to change what you do. It's going to change your plans. This past summer, I was in California. Anybody from California in a building? Nobody. (laughs) You know, they're bougie in California, so they don't like (laughs) that. California, praise God. I was in California, praise God for In-N-Out Burger. Y'all know about the In-N-Out burger, it was amazing. But anyway, yes, yes, got a hand clap for the In-N-Out burger. But I was in California, and it was awesome, and I was meeting with some friends, a pastor buddy of mine, and after I got finished, my tank was almost so empty. I was like, all right, my tank's almost so empty. Everything is really spread out in L.A., so I'm like, I, gotta, I have a plan. I'm going to go to the gas station. I'm going to get my gas. I'm going to pump up, and then I'm going to drive back to my destination. So I pull up at the gas station, and first off, I would never move to California because the gas is like $10 a gallon. Um, I'm like, oh my God, this is expensive gas. So I'm like, let me check my balance. Let me check my account, make sure I got enough money. So I had enough money to get gas. So I put my car in in the thing to start pumping, getting some gas. I'm looking around, everybody else is pumping the gas. It says it accepted it. I chose the selection of which type of gas I wanted. And I put the thing in my car and I pulled the handle. No gas came out. So I'm looking around. I'm like, in New Orleans this happens sometimes because they actually run out of gas. But I'm like, this is California. No way they, they're running out of gas. I'm in Beverly Hills. They can't run out of gas in Beverly Hills. So I'm looking around, and I'm looking. I'm like, well, maybe something is wrong with this pump. So the, the car in front of me, I see them pumping gas. So I'm like, OK, well, let me just, when they get finished, I'm going to pull up. So they get finished, and I pull up, and I put my card in, and I'm trying to pump some gas. And guess what? No gas comes out again. So at this point, I don't want to be like that weird person that they know is not from there. So I'm like looking around, I'm like trying to figure out what is going on. I'm, I'm doing everything right. I have money in my account. So I go into the store the guy, the guy who's running the, the gas station. I'm like, "Sir, something wrong with the gas pump." He said, "Well, do you have money on your card?" I said, "Yeah, I have money on my card." There's something wrong with your gas pump." He said, "Well, let me ask you this: Are you?" pushing it down before you pull the handle I said no he said well the way our pumps work you have to push it down before you pull the handle and why do I tell that story? Because I had my plan on how I wanted to fill up the gas. I had my plan on how I wanted things to go. But the plan that I had wasn't the same plan that needed to be implemented because the, the store and the way that the gas had to be pumped there was different than what I was used to. And if I wanted to get to my destination, I had to be willing to submit my plan to the plan of how everything worked so that I can fill up my gas and get to where I want to go. And as it relates to our jobs, as it relates to our works, we want to have our plans and our perspectives on how how we want everything to happen, how we want everything to come together. But at the end of the day, we must be willing to submit our lives, willing to submit our perspectives, willing to submit our plans to the God in heaven who rules the universe and say, God, whatever you want, however I have to fill up this gas, I'm going to do it because at the end of the day, it's all about you. Can we have that type of perspective Or God, what is your plan? What is your plan? What is your perspective? So as we think about that, another thing and the last thing that we must have, that we must include to have this heart that pleases God is proper priorities. Wow, that's that word. Priorities. Proper priorities. This is verse 12. It says, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So what's going on here? Uh, Paul is letting them know, hey, hey church, the reason why it's important for us to have a good, worldview and it's the reason why it's important for us to have a good uh uh uh, attitude and the reason why it's important for us to have a good perspective is because at the end of the day there's a priority and there's a purpose that's assigned to you and I and that's that as we walk we might walk properly before other people so that when the opportunity opens for you to talk about Jesus it's not like oh they're talking about Jesus but they show up to work late all the time they're talking about Jesus but they like to gossip they're talking about Jesus but they like to take shortcuts no they're talking about Jesus and when i I look at their life, when I look at their work ethics, when I look at their virtues, I'm inspired by them as a person. So instead of me shutting them off, I'm going to be open to what they have to say because they have walked properly. Because they have implemented these things. So we have to have the proper priorities. The proper priorities. How should we work? We should work With the proper priorities, knowing that the number one priority, the reason why it's hard for some people to work with the proper priorities is because they haven't dialed into the proper purpose. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, our purpose is nice and it's clear. Our purpose is to be salt and light to the world around us. That's our purpose. That's the reason why we're going through these things and how you should work. You should work in a way so that you can talk and you can talk about the love of Jesus and that you can show them the love of Jesus and that you can let them experience the love of Jesus. Because that's the most important thing. How should we work? We should work in a way that increases our witness, not decrease it. Are we living by these virtues? Or, 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 or are we living by Christian virtues of hope, of faith? Are our ethics driven by the bottom line? Or, or, or our or are our ethics driven because we want to save money? Or our ethics driven because we want to see people saved? What's our driving force? What's our driving force? A couple weeks ago I'll close with this was the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina when Hurricane Katrina hit, I was 15 years old. It was 13 years ago. I was 15 years old. and I remember evacuating, and we evacuated to Mississippi. Is anybody from Mississippi in here? All right. I love (laughs) y'all. I love y'all. My family is from Mississippi. That's why we evacuated. And My mom and my dad are both from Mississippi. And as we evacuated to Mississippi, I remember there was a there was a lady, she had a car, and her car was, like, packed to capacity of all her clothes. And, like, people were, like, laughing at her. This lady packed her whole house, you know, making journal. And the reason why is because up to this point, we were evacuated over and over and over again. Nothing would never happen. Nothing would never happen. But anyway, we evacuated to Mississippi. And do you all know where Katrina went right after it hit New Orleans? Mississippi! Mississippi! So we're in Mississippi, and the storm comes hauling through, and we lose power. I'm like, oh, great. It's one thing to lose power in the city. It's another thing to lose power in the country. Um, So I'm like, we're in Mississippi. We're at my grandma's house. We lose the power. And I mean, it's bad. We can't call nobody. We can't reach nobody. Everything is devastated. We were at my grandmother's house on my mom's side. My dad was with his mom's house, which was like 30 miles away. We couldn't even get to them. It was complete chaos. It's like a movie. We didn't know what was going on. And I remember word got to us. So when, if you ever, hopefully you're never in this type of situation when you're out of power for like weeks. We were out of power for like almost two weeks. So at this point, things are getting kind of (laughs) musty. Things aren't looking good. And things that we take for granted, I started to realize how important they were. But for instance, what was very important is water. And ice. <laughs> ice was like gold. Because ice, it kept the milk cold, it kept the eggs and shit, it kept, you know, you could put, rub the ice on your face because it was hot. Ice was very important. I remember we got the word that if we went about 15 miles from where we were, that there were these huge trucks that were giving out water. There were these huge trucks that were giving out ice. And I remember we go, we get the water. We get the ice and we're so excited because we know if this water and this ice, although things aren't looking great, we'll be able to sustain, we'll have some type of decent like uh, support and keeping everything cold. It needs to stay cold. And I remember us, we got this water and we got this ice. And as we were coming back, we saw people sitting outside their houses. No power, no water, no ice, no support. And I remember us. Telling people as we went by them, hey, down the road, if you go down the road, there's some water and there's some ice for you. And I remember people being so happy because they were so hot and they didn't know what was going on and things were so hard for them. And we're telling them, hey, down the street is some hope. And how should we work? We should work in a way to where when we're driving by people, we can say, hey, down the street is Jesus. Down the street is the Savior that loves you. Down the street is living water. Down the street is a water that if you drink of this water, you would never thirst again. Down the street is hope. Down the street is love. Down the street is my faith. How should we work? We should work in a way to where we can be the salt and the light through Jesus Christ to the world around us. We should work in a way so that as we're telling people, hey, there goes some water for you. There goes some ice for you. I don't want you to sit there when I know how good that water is. I know how good that ice is and I refuse to keep that from myself. So I'm going to live a life where I work to please God. I'm going to have a proper attitude. I'ma have a proper perspective. And I'm gonna have proper priorities. And I pray that you do the same. I pray that you do the same. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word, God. Even as we reflect. Over our life, God, and maybe the different jobs that we have, the different work that you've called us to, God, we come addressing that and surrendering and submitting that to you right now, God. We come saying, God, that at the end of the day, we want to work in a way that pleases you. I pray to the Lord God that you will work on our hearts God. When we're in those situations where we want to take shortcuts. When we're in those situations where we feel like giving up. When we're in those situations where we can't stand our co-worker. When we're in those situations where the plan that we had for our job. The plan that we had for our career. The plan that we had for our life. When we're in those positions God and things aren't coming together the way that we thought that they should or the way that we want them to be. Remind us, the Lord God, that we should work not with the goal to please ourselves, but with the goal to please you. The goal to please you in all that we do. I thank you, God. I thank you for what you did for us on the cross. I thank you for letting your spirit be with us, and I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice, God, I pray that you are moving in their lives, that you are moving in their hearts, God, that you are inspiring, you are equipping them to live a life that's worthy to you, to live a life that's pleasing to you, dear Lord God. I pray that if there's any strongholds or any addictions or any uh, problems, dear Lord God, I pray, dear Lord God, that those things are broken in the name of Jesus. I pray that the freedom that lives and the freedom in your presence and the freedom in your spirit will manifest in their lives beginning this week, God. I pray for a shift in their attitude, a shift in their perspective, a shift in their priorities. So that at the end of the day, they remember that all that they do, all that we do, is for you and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.